Warning, the following podcast contains coarse language and spoilers for the film and the title of the podcast. Now playing movie reviews in 20 cues. Hello, you goddamn fantastic people, and welcome to the podcast, Movie Reviews in 20 Cues, the show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. We're back, we are back, and we're kicking off the new year with a bang. And when Stacey's not around, there's one guy I want to bang with. It's Billy. How are you going, Billy? Mate, I am great. It is so wonderful to be here. When you messaged me and said, look, you're my best friend. I can't think of anyone I'd rather do the first episode of the new year with. I was like, oh, mate, anything for you. <laughs> Listeners, if you're wondering if I took shrooms on New Year's Eve. You- <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. No, this, is, this is exciting. I'm really, really keen to talk about this one with you because I just have no idea what you thought about this. Oh, so am I. <laughs> Avatar, Way of Water, um, I feel like, I mean, most people know what this is, it's the sequel to Avatar, it's already crossed a billion dollars, directed by James Cameron, stars Sam Worthington, Zoe Sedana, Sigourney Weaver, Kate Winslet, Cliff Curtis, yes, and <laughs> Stephen Lang, and then mostly a bunch of lesser names, and what we normally do is whoever's seen the movie the most recently has to give a plot, but I always drop people in it. And even though I haven't seen the movie, I have been the one that saw the movie most recently. <laughs> Billy, what is the plot? What is the plot oh, of Avatar? Jesus. Okay. All right. Well, let me preface this with saying I have not seen the first Avatar since 2009. Neither. So Neither. I went into this with no memory of how that movie ended. I didn't know who Stephen Lang was. I had forgotten. Sigourney Weaver, did she die in the first one or did that happen between these two? It implied she died, but in this she's in a tube. Yeah, I was so confused by a lot of it. But that said, I don't think you need to have even seen the first one to see this movie because who really gives a shit? (laughs) So basically, Sam Worthington is now living amongst the Na'vi. Uh, He's married Zoe Saldana. They've got a couple of kids, which I think I'm not sure how well the time works out because it's been 10 years and some of these kids seems like they're at least 14, 15. But anyway. Well, I uh, I mean, I I, I did think about that, but then I was like, well, they're aliens, so they could theoretically age a lot quicker than us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Lang comes back. He is now an avatar chasing Sam Worthington down. They leave the forest to the reef and that's the film. That's pretty much it. That is pretty yeah. much it. Um, looking at the scores for Smurfs 2, Return to Burn Gully, <laughs> Dances with Water, uh, they've got 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb, 77% Rotten Tomatoes and 67% on Metacritic. Its budget was $250 million. It's already crossed $1.4 billion at the box office. I didn't think he was going to do it. I, like When he came out before the movie came out and said, this movie needs to make $2 billion to profit. I, look, I should have had faith. It's James Cameron. He's <laughs> never done wrong before. I did not think it was going to happen. And now it looks like it probably will. <laughs> He's never done wrong before. Have you seen Piranha? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen hey, his you first film? The, you leave the Piranha films alone. <laughs> I cherish the Piranha films. It is actually, it's actually, it's schlocky, but it's actually quite good as yeah. his film. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy for us. Like, we, I mean, I'm fully supposed to be supportive of this because he moved to New Zealand. Like, he moved to New Zealand to make these films, and oh, he yeah, filmed the first one here. New Zealand at this point. If he's if he's got five more of these things planned, oh, he will God. just be living at the Weta Studios for sure. Did you hear that they've got a nine hour assembly cut of Avatar three? Yes, and he wants to see he wants to see the visual effects on the entire assembly cut yes. before he edits it down. The fucking dude is insane, right? He's fucking mental. Imagine being the visual effects artist. <laughs> yeah, 
The yeah. scene is literally the dude just eating a hamburger. Yeah, we need to see what he looks like <laughs> eating a hamburger. Yeah, six hours of shots that are 100% going to end up on the cutting room floor. It's insane. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, so if you haven't heard this podcast before, what we do is we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. We start with 10 that can be applied to any film. We then move through three personal questions that we thought of while watching this film. Typically, if there's three of us, but I roped Billy into this and couldn't be bothered trying to... F- <laughs> there's no way Liz or Machu or Kahu or anybody else was going to spend three hours in a cinema, I can tell you that. So basically, we're just going to do a couple of other ones that can be applied to any film and then our own three personal questions. And the one we always start with, compliment sandwich, one thing good, one thing bad, and one thing good. If we liked this film, alternatively, if we didn't like it, we give it the shit sandwich, which is one thing bad, one thing good, and one thing bad. And yeah, we give a score out of 10,000 somethings, and this week it's going to be 10,000, 10,000 whales that are definitely not whales, that are definitely not um, <laughs> metaphors for whaling. <laughs> Yeah, that are definitely not the buffaloes from Dances with Wolves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Metaphors for whaling, metaphors for vegan, you know, for eating meat, and metaphors for animal cruelty. Definitely not metaphors. <laughs> We're definitely not metaphoric whales. Here we go. We'll use those. Billy, start us off. Tell us, tell us your sandwich. Okay. All right. My first good thing is the James Cameron magic. And this is something that I did not expect even for the first two hours of the film where I was like, this film kind of sucks. I'm showing my cards early. I was like, this, this film is, is really not great. But you know what? Cameron has this level of magic similar to Spielberg for me. And I think bringing the kids and the family into this film was actually the right choice because that last hour of the film, the magic hit me. And I was like, you know what? This film is working on me now. I, I hated the stuff. Maybe it was like Stockholm Syndrome from sitting in the cinema for three and a half hours. But I hated the start of it. And by the end, I was like, the magic took me. I want to see seven more of these films now. <laughs> Fuck me. So the James Cameron magic is my first good thing. My second good thing, and I'm going to contradict this with my bad thing. My good and bad thing is the visuals. I think... The, the look of the film is really nice, especially the water scenes. You know, like, apparently the reason it's been in production so long is because they were developing the mocap tech for characters underwater. Mm. And, look, props to him. That sounded like a wank to me, but it actually, it, it works. Like, these characters look really, really good. As with the first one, just the landscape of Pandora is beautiful. Like 90% of that credit goes to you New Zealanders for keeping your country so gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know how you saw this film presented. I I saw it in the 3D high frame rate, which I shouldn't have done because I hate that. But I wanted to, you know, James Cameron says, this is how this film should be seen. And I'm like, look, I'm reviewing the film. I'll see it how he wants it to be seen. And that was a mistake because the 3D is dog shit. And even worse than that is the high frame rate. High frame rate fucking sucks. And it should never be used on any film ever. He thinks he's cured the soap opera effect. He's made it even worse. I I hated the look of this film. And I wish I'd seen it in 2D because I would have loved the look of this film. (laughs) That's curious. Yeah, I mean, my cinema wasn't showing it in 3D. So I ended up watching it in New Zealand's special um, 1D, which is (laughs) quite an experience. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well you guys have a 3d but the third dimension is the the scent of the other cinema goers <laughs> there was that there was that i was like surprisingly not be- too many bad scenes on new year's eve i mean it was like the- <laughs> usually they'd stink um yeah i mean i'm kind of disappointed i didn't see it in 3d but at the same time there's a part of me that like was just like oh who cares you know what i mean it's yeah yeah um 
Anyway, as a as a score, uh, as a score, I'm going to go with seven thousand one hundred. Fuck me! <laughs> Sounds like that's much higher than yours. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I've got a really good friend, Brad, who's probably going to listen to this, who, like, he said the same thing. He said, like, the first two hours, I was absolutely fucking bored out of my mind, but then yeah. he, he just sucked me in. And yeah. it, James Cameron just sucked him, you know? He just really sucked yeah. him. James just yeah, sucked that, him. Hard. The last hour just sucked off my brain, 100%. I was <laughs> sucked off in the cinema by that last hour. Fair <laughs> enough. I didn't get sucked off. I'm going to tell you that. I did not get sucked by okay. the James Cameron magic. <laughs> I, I, there was no climax for me. The climax was not climatic. It was, I mean, I'm showing my cards here. It's, it's hard for me to, to say this because from, like, you're right, from a technical perspective, everything is fucking outstanding. You know, it puts some recent Marvel productions because they're the other, or, you know, Fast and Furious or the other, these other high-level CGI or high-budget CGI movies. It puts them to shame just because of how well-constructed and seemingly organic and actually realistic that these um, CGI creations are. Like, there's, there's yeah. no doubting that. Like, from a production perspective, it's great. From a, <laughs> from a negative side, fuck the dialogue, and this is so clunky. And James Cameron has yeah. never been a good writer of dialogue. When, yeah. And when I saw there was two other screenwriters on this, there was a part of me that was just like, oh, hopefully they're the ones that were, like, writing some of these scenes because, like, for the most part, it was okay. But then there's, like, a scene with the kids early on where I was like, oh, my God, these people have yeah. never spoken to a teenager in their life. Oh, yeah, for sure. The amount of times they say bro in this film. <laughs> yeah, right. I think he's, yeah, Cameron's been living in New Zealand for a bit too he long. He has. <laughs> he has. Um, yeah, so it was... And the other thing is, like, I'm actually giving it a compliment sandwich, but I'm giving two bad things. <laughs> like, it, it goes for too long, and we'll talk about that later. And yeah. I, like, there's some massive steaming plot holes. And I feel like one of the other worst parts as well for me is that it starts off by giving you what could potentially be an awesome film, which is, like, you know, like, he, he's a renegade. He's an upstart. He's basically trying to, you know, get rid of the humans. And it yeah. baits and switches us by going, okay, here's the movie you want, but here's the other movie I'm going to give you. And, and, and then for two hours, you're just sitting there going, oh, what the fuck is this shit? And so by the end there, I was so sort of disappointed that we got to that point that it's just, it's phenomenal for me because I know, like, I know you love Titanic. And I do love Titanic. I feel yeah. like it's almost, in, um, this is controversial, but I, I never really liked True Lies. And I feel like True Lies was the point where James Cameron went from being one of my favorite filmmakers. Love Aliens, love yeah. Terminator 2. Probably top 20 films for both of those. And then True Lies, I was like, oh, this isn't that good. And then after that, we get Titanic. And then we get Avatar. And since then, I've just, I've never really liked him. So, yeah, I mean, it's such a long career to have only made like nine movies or something. Like e even in Cameron's early years, he was taking a fair gap between films. You know, it's not like Woody Allen cranking out I don't know, 57 movies in a decade. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, he's he's always been, like, a slower filmmaker. But, yeah, I mean, what, what's it been? 13 years between this and Avatar and the... Was Titanic literally his last film before that? I believe so. I mean, there was that documentary he made about yeah. under, under, yeah, under siege, you know, all that sort of stuff. Oh, but, I mean, Cameron wants to fuck the sea. Oh, he does. Like, I mean, he... He is obsessed with the ocean, which really shows in this movie. And you can see that that's the, kind of the trajectory he's going towards. Although I was surprised. I read an article today saying that Avatar 3 introduces a fire tribe. And I was like, oh my God, is, is that really the route we're going down now? It's like, now he's literally ripping off the better Avatar, The Last Airbender. I know, that's exactly what I was thinking. 
Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. What are, what are we doing here? Um, it's a score. <laughs> it's hard for me to give this a score because I didn't hate my time with it, but at the same time, I didn't really enjoy my time with it. So it's like, even though I've given it two bad things, I'm not going to give it a shit sandwich. I'm just going to go 5,500. Like, yeah. I'll never watch this again. I know I'd yeah, never yeah. watch this again, and I doubt I'll go see the third film, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. Well, that's, um, I think the first film had such legs in cinemas because so many people were re-watching it. Like, and, and that was at the time when everyone wanted to see it in both 2D and 3D. This film, I'm certainly not re-watching it. Even though I didn't like the 3D experience, I'm not going to go back and re-watch it in 2D because it, 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 it doesn't deserve that. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it just blows my mind that the original one was so successful. You, you never hear anyone like quote a line of dialogue oh, yeah. from it or say that it was one of their favourite films of all time. Yeah, it has like no staying power in the zeitgeist. Exactly. It's like the McDonald's of films. <laughs> Everyone goes there, but no one admits it. <laughs> anyway, let's move over to question number two. What is it, Billy? All right, question number two. What was the biggest dick move in this movie? Uh, it's the Reef People kids ditching old mate out in the middle of nowhere. And like, you that know. Is, that is a, that's a real dick move. That was a real <laughs> dick move. I mean, like, I, I get it. They're young kids and they're stupid. And I'll talk about that a little bit. But at the same time, it's a massive dick move. This poor guy. I mean, what's going to happen to him? Of course he's going to fucking die. Yeah. Yeah, and like his only crime is having four fingers. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's he's it's not that bad, guys. Don't try kill him. Yeah, exactly. What the fuck? <laughs> I've got twelve well, toes. Are people going to start killing me? <laughs> My dick move is actually the opposite of that. My dick move is someone saving someone, and I know that we'll talk about this later. But it's it's Spider saving Lang at the end of the yes. film. What? What a fucking little dick! Like, okay. I think story-wise, that is the biggest, like, massive leap is that Spider would randomly want to save this guy. It just, I hated it. I hated it. And it's such a dick move because it just fucks over the entire rest of the family. Fucking A, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, moves us over to question number three, which is what deep philosophical debate arose in you during this movie? Okay. Um, not much, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I don't think this is a very deep movie, but it did make me think a little bit more on like the filmmaking and, and screenwriting side of things. You know, like there's long been this kind of debate in the writing community about write what you know, right, you know, yeah. and that uh, particularly I think it's a real button point at the moment when it comes to perhaps writing about other ethnicities and stuff like that and like how acceptable that is, you know, like should a straight person write a story that revolves around homosexuality, stuff like that. This movie is so thinly masqueraded around kind of indigenous issues and indigenous rights that it does make me go a little bit. It's funny that because it's James Cameron and because it's sci-fi, that's acceptable for this movie. But in a lot of other cases, it, it wouldn't be. And it did make me think about why. And is that really just, you know, the power of Cameron that people aren't more upset about it? <laughs> you, you do see a lot of appropriation of Māori and, like, certainly other Pacific Island cultures into yeah, the reef yeah. people. And, like, you know, by having Cliff Curtis there, who's obviously Māori himself, playing the leader of this tribe, it's like, okay, well, that makes sense. But then Kate Winslet's his fucking wife. And you're like, yeah, um, yeah. what the fuck? What the bloody fuck? And- 
and she's doing an accent. <laughs> I'm yes. like, I, I don't know why that's acceptable. And like, look, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to get up in arms about it myself. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing that I see and, and I expect to hear more talk about and I just don't. And it's very strange. Yeah, I, I, like, I certainly, I mean, my ethnicity is New Zealand European and I certainly don't feel qualified to talk about this type of stuff. I mean, there's certainly a lot yeah. of people. I mean, I love to have had Kahu or Machu on this and said, you know, got yeah. their perspective. I, I don't feel like I'm qualified to talk about it at all, but it did make me feel deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, because if, if you did, if this wasn't a sci-fi and you just had Kate Winslet playing a married person, mm. that wouldn't be right. It but for some matter. reason in this case, it's no one has said boo, even though she's literally putting on an accent. And I just find that a very strange decision. <laughs> strange is definitely fucking one word for it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what about you? What was your philosophical debate? Uh, mine was similar to the one that you've just um, just brought up about Spider rescuing Stephen Lang's character. I mean, can you strangle someone underwater? Like, think about it. Like, you're holding your breath, right? So you don't want yeah. your ear to leave your system. So if somebody's, yeah. like, got their hands around your neck and is, like, strangling, crushing your throat, but you're still holding the ear inside, so you, it doesn't really matter to you. Yeah, I mean, I guess... Well, that's an interesting one. Because I guess you wouldn't technically drown because drowning is the act of bringing water in. Yeah. But I guess you would suffocate. But would it be by strangulation or what? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Right. I was like watching him do it. I'm like, well, we know they can hold their breath for ages. So that guy's yeah. just getting a crushed larynx at the moment. Like he's not actually getting, you know, the air expelled from his lungs or preventing air from going into his lungs. Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk about I, I it a little bit enough. later on one of the other questions. I don't, I don't know about the act of strangling because I know that, I mean, certainly in the crime films and stuff I've seen, if someone does die by strangulation, they note that instead of saying suffocation or anything. So is it, is choking, is strangling someone literally just cutting the oxygen and that's what kills them or is there something else about it that I, kills I them? I suppose there is like, like when people get into sleeper holds, it's like st- stopping yeah. the artery from providing blood to their brain so he's sort of making them black out um, so I mean there is that side of it as well yeah we're getting way too deep in this we, we are <laughs> <laughs> this is the type of shit that the FBI are going to listen to and be like serial killers <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny because like I'll roll on the next question because I've got a very similar answer to this so what, what's question yeah. number four alright well question number four is what was the biggest load of bullshit in this movie so okay so We've already answered two two parts of this. First of all, the biggest <laughs> yeah. load of bullshit was Spider would go back and rescue him. But even more yeah. of a load of bullshit from that is that Stephen Lang's character would give that much shit about Spider. Like over the space yeah. of what yeah. twenty four hours, he's become his son. You know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that was bullshit. Um, also, that he was still alive after being strangled underwater. Like he's lying on the fucking bottom of the ocean. Yeah, he, like he, he's not breathing. He's not doing anything. His lungs are filled with water <laughs> at this moment. Jake Sully almost dies swimming about five meters. Yeah, Stephen Lake's character, who was getting the strangulation, just chills yeah. out on the bottom for a bit. And then, yeah. like, flowing on from there, like, let's go back to the spider. I've got, I've got five answers for this, by the way. <laughs> that spider was allowed to run around with them the whole time. That, that was cool. Yeah. That the general was like, yeah, yeah, you fuck off with your dad. I don't give a shit. And then even before that, that spider's mind would be impenetrable. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree. You've you've hit on everything. Mine was exactly, it was that whole spider turn from Stephen Lang kind of wanting to save him right back to spider saving him back. That that entire arc right at the end there was a big load of bullshit. Massive load of bullshit. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, next question is a Patreon question. Comes courtesy of our old mate Emily Higgins, who runs the Tasis podcast, a podcast which compares two films, one that is universally beloved. She compares that to a film with similar themes and argues why the one with similar themes, that's usually rubbish, isn't rubbish, but it's usually still rubbish. <laughs> anyway, her question is, which character from this film has gone the longest without showering? I think it's got to be Stephen Lang, whose character name I don't even remember because who cares? <laughs> but he he doesn't seem like he gives a shit about showering at this point. Firstly, it's an avatar body. He doesn't care about that. But even when he was a general, I don't reckon he was showering. Isn't that- he's, he's got other things to do. He's too busy just doing genocide and shit. <laughs> His name is Colonel Quaritch. There you go. I never would have remembered that. <laughs> never. I'm, it's funny now that I'm actually looking at these faces and their characters' names because I was like, What's Kate's? Who the, who the fuck is Ronald? But I'm like, oh yeah, that's Kate Winslet and <laughs> Tonawari. Oh yeah, that's that's Cliff Kudis. Um, yeah, <laughs> the one for me, just because he looks like a filthy fuck, is Joel David Moore. <laughs> you know the 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 quite nerdy guy, white guy that's hanging out with them. That sort of their implied banged Sigourney Weaver. Uh, yeah. just before she went to sleep or whatever. He looks dirty. I'm not going to lie. He looks dirty. <laughs> he's hanging out. He does look pretty filthy. Yeah. He's hanging out in the trees. There doesn't really look to be much in the way of shower. He's probably so sweaty. Like, oh, I went through, um, I've been through very hot, several hot countries and I just gave up on showering because I was sweaty the whole time anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going with him. All right. Question number six. What, what characters best represents the other podcaster? Uh, it, it, I've got two answers for this. There's, there's Scoresby, which is the loudmouthed Australian guy. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yep. He's like kind of husky, loudmouthed Australian guy. I'm like, oh, that just makes too much sense. But then yeah. it's too obvious. So I'm going to go with the other guy that came to mind, which is Max Patel is his character's name. And he's the um, the guy that, of, like, uh, that sort of shows up and then basically is trying to help Sigourney Weaver's teenage daughter, which is Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> I don't know how to explain this. <laughs> Kitty or whatever she is. He basically shows up and is trying to help her, but then he immediately gets pushed aside by a strong woman and told to fuck off. And he's like, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> I was like, there's Billy. There's Billy right there. <laughs> well, I, I, I also had the loudmouth destroying guy for you. <laughs> and then my second was Jermaine Clement. Um, because <laughs> apart, from the, apart from the Kiwi thing, He's the kind of guy that doesn't actually seem smart, but is quite smart. And that's how I think of you, Sam. You don't present yourself as a smart guy, but I know that there's a brain in there, mate. Oh, yeah, there is. There is. <laughs> and I know that you care about the whales. I do. I care about them so much that I help people murder them <laughs> ethically. That's exactly right. Uh, moves us over to question number seven. Which quote from this film would be the worst thing to hear after Cyrix? Okay, th- this was really hard for me because I actually saw this movie about three weeks before I knew I was going to be doing this <laughs> podcast. And so, as you say, the dialogue is terrible. None of it stayed in my brain at all. So to even think of a quote from this movie was really tough. So I'm going to go with, I see you. Because I do think that would be really strange. Like, of course, you'd, we just fucking banged. <laughs> what do you mean you see me? <laughs> Even that if she's saying it to somebody else who's just fucking hiding in the cupboards or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would freak me out either way. The one for me, is, and I can't remember the exact words or even who said it, but at one point, I remember this because I wrote it down on my phone because I knew I was going to use it at some point, yeah. is who's got the harpoon now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not what you want to hear. Fuck no. <laughs> okay, uh, question number eight. What is it, Billy? 
All right. Which side character had their lives absolutely ruined by the events in this movie? We uh, discovered that the whales are an incredibly smart and sentient species, probably smarter than the humans or Navi. And then at one point they hunt and murder a mother and the calf just hangs around. Doesn't know what to do. What whatever happened to that calf? We've got no idea yeah. what the fuck happened to that calf. He just watches yep. mother being murdered and he's still hanging around going... <laughs> That dude is about three days out from shore, dying of starvation, wondering what the fuck yeah. to do with his life, right? Yeah. That's a depressing thought. Oh, jeez. Thanks, Cameron. <laughs> My, mine is too obvious, probably, but it's the other villages of, of reef people who just get their village burned down for fucking no reason. We never see them again. We don't know what happens to them. Like, Cliff Curtis's village is providing refuge to Sam Worthington and his clan, but they won't let these other reef people come and live with them? Like, what What do they do now? That was another... Like, that, that felt a little bit too obvious for me. So, And also that part was, like, leading into Bigelow's biggest side of bullshit, which is that the human hate the Navi, and yet they show up, and then Spider's like, oh, don't kill them. And he's like, okay, listens to Spider, doesn't yeah. wipe out the entire village to, you know, because they, this is, this is totally scorched earth. You know, they'd wipe out that village. They'd wipe out every village they come yeah. across. They don't want to offer oh, this guy sure. anywhere to hide, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Or, or, a, well, that's why or another army. It just seemed bullshit. Like, I think they tried to explain it of, oh, if you wiped out one, then they'll all rise up. And it's just like, yeah, but that's the fucking point, isn't it? Isn't, aren't you guys trying to yeah. fucking kill off everyone? Like, they're not providing yeah. you with any sort of economic, you know, reward or incentive for yeah, keeping exactly. them there. Yeah, and I mean, burning down their village is just as good as killing them in terms of starting a rebellion, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, But all, you, all you've done is left an extra hundred or something to join the fight. Like, you, you've pissed them just, off more. It would have been smarter I mean, to kill them. <laughs> You're right. It would have been smarter to yeah. kill them, get rid of a hundred troops, than to piss them off so fucking monumentally that they'll go and tell every other village, by the way, these fuckers burnt down our village and killed our, you know, like flying lizard thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, this this is kind of a little unrelated, and I'm sorry if this is off tangent, but can you actually help just explain the plot of this film to me just a little bit? Not to sound like an idiot, but... <laughs> Spoiler alert, I don't fucking know. <laughs> but not bring back Michelle Rodriguez, which was kind of disappointing. Uh, question number nine is also a Patreon question. Comes courtesy of our mate Julio of the Contrarians. Contrarians is an awesome podcast that rages against the Rotten Tomatoes machine by taking a film that's usually over eighty percent or more and sort of arguing why it's shit or vice versa. Uh, his question: What is your most controversial opinion about this film? Okay, this this is a really hard one to answer because I, this is not a movie that I think has one clear opinion on it. Like. Every, this, the first Avatar is the same. Everyone's so divided. Some people absolutely love it. Some people hate it. Like everyone sees different things in it. So to be controversial is like almost impossible. Other than to say, like I said in my bad things, I think the look of this film, particularly in 3D, is absolute dog shit. I think it's awful. It's so, so bad that I don't understand how the one thing that this film kind of everyone agrees on is that it looks great when it doesn't. I, I feel like that is pretty controversial. I mean, it's a, it's a selling point, you know? It's what gets bums on yeah. seats. Like, no one's, like, racing out to see the new James Cameron film because of the story or, you know, yeah, like, yeah. or the big plot twists or anything like that. That was my other bad thing. Fuck, this is predictable. 
Yeah. Like, it, yeah. like even like the spider rescuing him, I was like, well, of course he's rescuing him because he, he he's not going to die. You know what I mean? Because they need him to yeah. save him. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You know, I was talking to a screenwriter friend who said, you know, because the whole discussion about Cameron's writing came up and he was like, look, his dialogue's not great. But I think the thing about Cameron is that he is a master of five act story structure. Like as far as his like structure goes, he's got it nailed. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I think you're right. And I actually don't think that that's necessarily a good thing because you're right. It does make it predictable. Mm, Yeah. Like, because you do, you see the beats coming and you see the transitions between acts and it is for me anyway, it does still have that Cameron magic. And by the end it won me over, but I can totally see that predictability grading on someone. It was kind of leading into another one of my biggest loads of bullshit was the fact that only one of those kids died. You know, we're in this hardcore firefight and then only one child dies. And even then I was like, like, it was very obvious very early on who the child was that was going to die. You know, yeah, the one that yeah. kept taking the grief for the younger brother, you know, the one that no one really got to know, you know, as soon as the story deviated off him, it was like James Cameron going, oh, you don't want to get too attached to this guy, you know? So yeah. it was like, oh, yeah. fucking hell. Yeah. Um, my most controversial opinion about this film, Jake Silly's the biggest fucking dickhead on this planet, which is <laughs> <laughs> just saying something. I think I messaged you guys halfway through and said they should have recast him. They should have recast Sam Worthington. Yeah. I don't think anyone would have cared, but like, we'll go, aside from the actor himself like like i put it this way like he he wants to protect his family but he doesn't send them somewhere that they would be safe and then you know like he disappears himself or you know like yep he's constantly screaming at his kids for reckless shit that he would definitely do in this situation he doesn't listen to them ever like there's no point to any of these kids go hey this is why i did this yeah you know he just blames them for everything and then he's supposed to be respectful and like this kind of leads on to it he's supposed to be respectful of this tribe and hey let's just you know let's be real like submissive to them and let's just do whatever they say and all this other shit immediately the first chance he gets to ride one of those fucking underwater things (laughs) he's like hey you need to do this fuck off cunt i'm not fucking doing that i'm gonna fucking ride it like this and of course he like fucking ends up just fucking losing his shit i was like fuck this guy fuck this clown yeah just rams his ponytail straight up there yeah exactly has no idea how to stand on the back of it and immediately gets tossed off it, unsurprisingly. <laughs> what a knob. All right, over to question number 10. What character is the most likely to have ended up in hospital for sex-related injuries? A spider. Oh, my God, that's my answer <laughs> as well. Spider, right? He's such a creepy little pervert. He's always wearing that mask. That's going to lead to some kind of injury for sure. <laughs> He's going to be doing something stupid and lose his mask. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, and he's gonna he's gonna get all up in. Well, he wants to get all up in Kiri. Yeah, like you know, who knows what happens if a human and a Navi? Well, she's not even like a full Navi. Like, who knows what's going on down there? <laughs> James Cameron does. Clearly, he's thought about it quite a few times. <laughs> Late at night before he goes to sleep. Yeah, hundred percent. It's Spider. Gross. Uh, question number eleven. What's something you noticed in this movie that you don't think other people might have immediately noticed? Okay, I noticed this straight away and it really bothered me. I've already kind of alluded to how much I hated the high frame rate. And part of that is that this film is so CGI heavy that even though that might look good in other circumstances, when you combine it with the high frame rate, it just looked like a PS5 game to me because that's that's what people want high frame rate for. And Cameron's whole thing, and I don't know if anybody else noticed this or if it's just me 
being a, a film nerd and stuff, his whole thing about believing that he's cured the soap opera effect is that only certain scenes are actually shown in high frame rate. Mm. They're not all 48 frames. The issue is that this isn't the way that cinemas work. Like the, the scenes that aren't high frame rate are still high frame rate. All he's done is just double the frames <laughs> so that each frame shows for two frames instead of one. That just gave me this, it made it even more like a video game because it just looked like lag because yep. it was kind of jittery and jutter and I fucking hated it. And I don't know if anyone else would notice that kind of stuff. Probably not, no. It really bothered me. <laughs> yeah. It really bothered me though. It, it didn't bother me. Well, the, the thing I noticed is, and I'm sure you probably noticed this as well, but the, the best scene ever in titanic is the bit where one of the dudes falls off the back of the boat falls through and the hits air, the propeller hits the propeller <laughs> shoots off to yeah. the side they had a homage to that in this as soon as did that i didn't notice as that. soon as the boat started going down i was like oh this is like titanic he's like we've seen this before and then i was like i wonder if a dude's gonna fall a great distance then bounce off something and shoot off to the side <laughs> and sure enough one of um stephen lang's soldiers does that he like falls oh and then like comically bounces off the side of like a crate <laughs> or something and I was like oh there it is there we go I can't believe I missed that now I do want to re no, you don't. this movie <laughs> just watch like the last oh, what is it the last hour <laughs> fucking hour <laughs> what a stupid battle I remember halfway through the battle going oh it looks like it's winding up and then like checking my phone I was like there's still 45 minutes to go what is happening what the fuck is happening with this movie <laughs> All right, question number 12. What is a scene from this movie that you will remember on your deathbed? I am copied and pasted this from another podcast, and as soon as I got down to answering it today, about 10 minutes before we started recording this, I thought to myself, why the fuck is this in there? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't have an answer for this I, one, because I, I don't think I will think about this I, movie I, on my I don't deathbed. think I will either. I was like, maybe the fish attack? It's purely because it reminded me of Phantom Menace, where you know there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> I think the thing for me is not even deathbed. I don't think, I, and, and you know, I liked this movie well enough. I gave it a seven. I don't think I'll remember really anything from it in less than a year. I don't think. Like, I, I have zero memory of the first Avatar, and I doubt this will be any different. I'll go see the third one. Yeah. But by then, I probably will have forgotten what happened in this one. I wanted to record this on New Year's Day simply because I was like, I'm going to immediately delete this from my memory with just other content, and I have, <laughs> you know. Uh, question number 13, also a Patreon question, comes courtesy of our mate Dan Brannock of Netflix and Swill. His question, who was the true MVP of the film? It can't be the main, and we've both got the same answer for this one, don't we? Oh, do we? It's the outcast whale. Oh, I don't reckon we do. Yeah, yeah, okay, we do. <laughs> it's got to be the outcast whale. That dude yeah, shows up. Dusik's Mechina. absolutely the best character in this film. It is so funny. When that storyline started, I was like, are you fucking kidding me, James Cameron? This movie is already three hours, 12 minutes, and now you're throwing in these random scenes with a kid and a whale? What the fuck is the point in this? And then 20, 30 minutes later, I was like, I get it now. The whale is the hero. This this is why we had all those stupid scenes of the kid and the whale bonding, because it actually led to something. You got me, James Cameron. Yes. <laughs> that was legitimately the only bit that pulled me back in. Like when that whale just shows up and just starts belly flopping onto the boat, I oh, was like That's so This sick. is the tits. But then the part where he exposes his weakness and not scores me, he's like, You fucking beauty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, didgeridoo, crack it acker or something. I don't know what the fuck Australians say, but he says something like fuzza wuzza or whatever and then shoots the harpoon at him and and the whale knows it's coming and then just bobs his head and flicks it off to the side i was like oh. that is the business so good yeah avatar 3 should be that they're no longer using navi as avatar that they're you know they're turning into these whales yes. that'd be sick fuck yes that's, 
to have Stephen Lang come back as a whale to enact his revenge. Yeah. There's a very famous New Zealand film called Whale Rider. And, and so I want to see Whale Ride or Die. There we go. Yeah. Uh, anyway... It's <laughs> funny, the other, the other true MVP I had of this was the other screenwriters for hopefully talking James Cameron down <laughs> off a ledge with some of his dialogue. But <laughs> Anyway, on to, my other, on to my personal questions. First watch is, is Spider the quickest turncoat in film history? I mean, yes. He's got to be the right. The answer is yes. I can't think of any turn that's happened that quickly. And I don't know if the turn is supposed to be because of the Zoe Saldana thing, like threatening to kill him. Mm. But... Uh, I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand that turn. That is honestly the quickest turn in cinema history. Like They capture him and Stephen Lang says, look, I'll free you. And then he's like, I hate my dad. Like he said that to the other kids. I don't want to know who my dad is, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, saying that's Kiri or whatever. And then he's just like, as soon as he's on that boat, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll fucking teach you guys how to talk or I'll teach you guys how to catch an animal. Or, you know, like even leading yeah. up to all that, he's like being really fucking useful. And it's yeah, and for the whole movie, he's seeing his dad do horrendous things, like you know when he's really upset at him burning down the village and stuff. But no, still save him at the end. Yeah, still save him at the end. The, the only other answer that I have to that, I mean, there's a lot of turncoats in film history, but my other one is that uh, there's a bigger one in this film, and that's Jermaine Clement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he's like all in on murdering these whales before the movie began. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But then as soon as he gets on the boat with Scoresby and they're shooting off arrows, like, why is he there? Why have you brought the doctor, yeah. you know, the scientist onto the boat with you? Yeah, that's true. What's he even doing? What's yeah. he even doing there? Oh, I guess he he is the one who does the extraction, isn't he? Like maybe... Yeah, that that is true. But like right at the end there, they deploy boats to try and shoot at... Yeah, you know, like he's yeah. he's got no reason for being there, other than like at one point Scoresby's like shooting at the whale, and he's like, oh, oh I thought you're not an intelligent <laughs> being. It's just like, yeah, you're right, Billy. That would be me. I would be on a boat about yeah. to fucking die, about to be murdered by a whale, and then just start roasting everyone on the boat with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would absolutely be you. <laughs> Fuck it, I'm going out. I'm taking out everyone with me. Fuck it. <laughs> Uh, next question what subplot need axing the hardest I mean obviously you've talked about how long it is but if you could ax one from yeah. this what would it be I, I think my thing is it's the main plot <laughs> is the thing for me like I don't the interesting thing about this movie is that it's like three and a half hours long and by the end you realise that it actually really doesn't have many subplots like like I said when the whale thing started I thought that was a subplot and then it turned out that that is the actual plot of the film like mm. there are very few kind of scenes that don't relate to the main story in this film and i guess in some ways that's an achievement the problem is that there are too many of them and they just need to be cut down like the entire first hour before they get to the reef cut the fuck out of that shit have them get to the reef within the first 20 minutes of the film please like there are so many sequences like that that just take up a lot of time learning to ride the sea creature things we don't need it (laughs) we don't need it for that long certainly like i think you know the whole you brought it up before him kind of going all gun ho on riding that thing and being like oh i think that's meant to be a funny scene and it's not it just adds nothing (laughs) exactly yeah, the one for me, I, I felt like there was a ton of subplots in this. I felt, you know, like the relationship yeah, right. between the different groups of kids and all that sort of stuff. But I, I know or I feel like this is going to come into it later, but I feel like Kiri's whole epilepsy thing. Yeah, okay. Like yeah. talking to the trees and then blacking out underwater. And then like the guy said, oh, we can't let her black out underwater or she might die. And I was like, well, that's yeah, going to come back. Right, yeah. And then it never did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's, that's true. Like her 
being this whole Jesus girl thing, you're right. I thought that like maybe she was gonna save the older brother or something with her powers. Or, right. But you're right. She doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't really. Yeah. That doesn't really go anywhere, does it? No. No. Yeah. Yeah. Fair call. Uh, yeah. And the final one for me is <laughs> like, so we we see the reef people and Jack Sully and his family attack the boat and all the other you know humans and avatars. Yeah. We see them attack it and then. <laughs> The reef people just disappear. And we, we go through an entire night cycle. Like they, They're attacking as the sun goes down, and then the sun comes up, and we see them at the end. Where are all the reef people? Yeah, you're right. I actually didn't even notice this when I watched it, and then I read your question, and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> what I like to think is that one of them died, and the rest of them went, oh, shit, this is for real. And like, do you guys give a fuck about this family? Not really. And then they just cruised. Well... Yeah, and honestly, that's fair. Why would they? Why would they care? Let them die. You don't give a shit. Yeah. The only, the only, the only reason they seem to have cared is because Kate Winslet's, you know, um, soul sister or whatever has been murdered. Like, that's legitimately the only reason why they're there. And I feel like as soon yeah. as they saw Scoresby go down, they're like, eh, eye for an eye, we're done. You know? Well, yeah, true. Yeah, their part of the battle is done. Yeah. Because it, it seems insane that, like, you know, the Sully kids end up on this boat and then the only people that go to rescue them is Sully's. You know, like, yeah. they're vastly outnumbered. This boat should be getting yeah. swarmed by these sea creatures and Navi who have, like, because of because of the whale, has had, like, a one-sided advantage. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, it just, just yeah. seems stupid. Anyway, on to you. What's yeah. your questions? All right. My first question. Here we go. Now, I love Sigourney as much as the next guy, but is there not maybe someone more appropriate to play an 11-year-old girl? <laughs> like, I just don't fully understand the casting. I get that she's meant to be her daughter, so, you know, like it... But it's a CGI character. You can make it look like Sigourney anyway. You don't, you don't need to have Sigourney playing that character. I find it really strange. I've got a conspiracy theory for this one, which is that when they were making Avatar... That Giovanni Ribisi, Stephen Lang, Sigourney Weaver, everybody signed yeah, contracts right. for multiple films. The for only one that did yeah. it was Michelle Rodriguez. But who knows? She might yeah. come back. I feel like they signed contracts for multiple films. And so the, he was like, what are we going to do? And then I feel like he went to Sigourney and said, hey, do you want to um, come and pretend to be a moody teenager? And like, here's, here's TikTok. Yeah. Watch TikTok. <laughs> but here's your research. This is what moody teenagers look like. And we need you to be that emo moody teenager. Because that's all she was. Like, I, I, Part of me was like, oh, she's having fun with it. And then the, that was the first two or three scenes, you know, where she's like posing funnily in photos and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then it just becomes yeah. so fucking grating. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I actually have no problem with the performance. I think she does a pretty good job of playing a teenager. But I just find it a bit odd. <laughs> I just don't see the need for it. <laughs> I just got to quickly check how tall Sigourney Weaver is because I don't think she's a tall woman, which branches into your hatred category <laughs> hey <laughs> which is which leads me to an aside question that i had while i was watching this which is like, it's been well documented that you hate tall woman what about tall blue woman or are you like i i have no problem with tall women blue or not okay color of one's skin and the height of one's torso has nothing to do with my dislike of them. Let me make that very clear right here, right now. I said one bad thing about Elizabeth Debicki on a podcast maybe, I don't know, three, four years ago. <laughs> and you have never let it go. 
It wasn't even. I, it's not even. I don't even hate Elizabeth Debicki. Let me be clear. <laughs> I like Elizabeth Debicki. She looked weird in that movie, man. She was like eight feet taller than anyone else on screen. That's true. <laughs> I am gonna mesh cut up everything you've just said. To I hate tall women. <laughs> Oh, jeez. All right. My next question. Similar vein. I love Kate Winslet as much as the next guy, but is there not perhaps someone more appropriate to play the leader of an indigenous tribe? We we spoke about yes. this earlier. I, you know, for me, like, I don't know if you heard about the backlash about a month or two. It must have been longer ago because the movie just came out. When the casting was announced that Emma Thompson was playing Trunchbull in the new Matilda the Musical movie. Mm. And she was wearing a fat suit and people lost their fucking minds about hire a fat person. We had the same thing with Brendan Fraser in The Whale. People losing their minds about, you know, why not just hire a fat person? And yet we have Kate Winslet playing an indigenous woman and we're okay with it. I don't get it. It's like Kate Winslet's rung up James Cameron and said, hey, you remember me? Remember how I... Yeah, but the weird thing is she quite famously said that she would never work with Cameron again. Oh, really? Titanic. She was, yeah, because he was a prick to her. On set, he called her Kate Ways a lot. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, and so she quite famously said, I will never work with Cameron again. So I can only imagine that she is being paid a shitload to do this. And I don't get why, because it's a CG character, it's a... She- I'd pers- I love Kate Winslet more than probably anyone. I don't think she's really bringing anything interesting to this role. I just don't get it. She's she's not, and it's, it's such a small role that, like, when I worked out that it was Kate Winslet, I was like, oh, she's going to have a bigger part, but she doesn't. Yes, yeah. I can only imagine she will in future films, like what you were saying with the whole Kiri subplot. But, I mean... Yeah, I just I just don't get it. <laughs> and this might surprise the rest of the world, but there are plenty of Māori actresses which would have been awesome in that. One of them, Rena Owen, who was like outstanding in Once More Warriors, for anyone that's seen Once More Warriors, she played the mum in that. Yep. Or like Rachel House, people are a bit more familiar with her. She played Topaz in Four Ragnarok. Like she quite often pops yep. up in Taika Waititi films. Like she's the cop chasing Ricky Baker and Hunt for the Wilder People. Like she, there's plenty of other Māori actresses that would have fit into that role or... Even other Pacifica, you know, actresses. It's, it seems bizarre that it's just fucking weird. Yeah. 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 All right. My final question for you. And you've kind of already answered this throughout the discussion, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Are you all in on Cameron's vision for four more of these films or would you be happy to just bow out at this point? Fuck you. Yeah, I'm all in, man. I can't <laughs> wait for these fucking films. I'm going to be there front and center. I want to watch the nine hour cut. Put, pump that into my veins. <laughs> I'd love to know if there's anyone out there. Okay, and listeners, like you guys write in weird shit all the time. Write in and tell me if you're a massive fan of Avatar. Like if you legitimately were watching on our account of Avatar. I'd love to know. I'd love to know if there's legitimately someone out there that is like, like this excited. I mean, obviously, like fine, me and Marvel, you know, Star Wars fans, all that sort of shit. Like it makes sense. Like I understand that. Yeah. I the Avatar, like it doesn't seem to have like punch through popular culture that there's people out there like fucking petitioning for more and more and spin-offs and shit like that like yeah yeah i mean i i appreciate i appreciate that we have a new franchise in the world that's wholly well i'll use the word in quotations but original <laughs> like yes it borrows from a lot of other stuff but you know it is its own thing and i appreciate that but yeah i don't think anyone's clamoring for it like i'll go see the next one but I'm not going to rewatch these two before it. No. <laughs> Let me put it that way. 
Yeah. It's one of these things, it's it, like, shit, if there's a, um, the stars align and my wife's away with my kids and they're legitimately the only thing on at the movies is this and other films that I've already seen, then sure, fuck it, I probably will go see it, but... Yeah. 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 Short answer, probably not. Um, final, <laughs> final question for me, uh, or final question of the podcast, is courtesy of our mate Nutrivert, also a Patreon question. Happy New Year's, man. Hope you're having a good one. And uh, much love to you and all of our uh, patrons, actually. Um, but uh, his question, what time was the best time for a bathroom break? I think it is the exact halfway point. The point where there should be an intermission in a film this long. Uh, I can't even remember exactly what was happening. I just remember thinking to myself, oh, I've, I've got to get out of here for 10 minutes. Because as, as I mentioned, I was not enjoying this film. And I really considered leaving. Like, <laughs> this is going to make me sound like the worst movie reviewer ever. I knew I was doing it for the podcast. And when I, when I went to the toilet at the halfway mark, I was like, I think I've seen enough. Yes, like, right? You know, it's, it's very predictable. I'm sure that I could fluff my way through a podcast on this. I reckon I could just Wikipedia what happens at the end and just, you know, I reckon I could make an episode on this without having seen the end of it. And I really thought about leaving. But I went back in and it got a lot better, like to the point where it upped my score a whole two points. That's pretty but, impressive, yeah. Yeah, I reckon the exact halfway mark. What, like, whatever's happening on screen, I can't remember what it is. An hour and 40 minutes into this movie, go to the bathroom. <laughs> that was pretty much the point where I did, and they started messaging you and Topher and saying, I think I'm going to leave, guys. I don't think I can handle <laughs> yeah. this anymore. I don't think I've ever walked... Oh, I have, actually. I've walked out of a film at the cinemas before, but I... Yeah, I've done it a few times. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, at home, like, I will do, similar to you, where I've watched enough of a movie that I've like, I've seen enough of this. And then I'll look up the plot on Wikipedia and go, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, and like I'll never, you know, if I'm not enjoying it that much that I'm like, I can't be fucked with this. I really cannot be fucked with this. I, w- I won't. I won't watch the whole thing. Like, I feel like that's sacrilege as well. But Yeah. I mean, we've recorded an episode on a movie I only watched about 75% of. <laughs> I'm not going to tell anyone. <laughs> what what? Was you guys that? can just go back and listen to our episodes and try and figure out which one it was. <laughs> I've done the same. <laughs> might relate. Uh, might rhyme with face ham. <laughs> face ham. Space jam. <laughs> a new. Oh, oh gee. No, nah, I watched the whole thing oh of that. I'm, I'm taking the first. I oh, wish I had. No, space jam was real bad. I wish I hadn't watched the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that takes us down to the end. Thank you so much for joining me, Billy. Thank you for. Dipping out of your lunch hour at work to talk about Avatar. <laughs> That's right. I'm recording it here in the studio at work. It's <laughs> great environment for recording. <laughs> Luckily, I mean, start of the year, there's no one back in the office and nothing's going on today. It's fine. I've only seen your boss walk around the corner three times and go, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> oh, he's used to it. <laughs> and fine. No, th- thank you for having me, mate. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Unplug your podcast, all that sort of good stuff. Oh, no. Nah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I mean, everybody knows it. It's, it's, we watched a thing. Uh, we watch a thing and we chat about it. And you can find that just by searching for We Watched a Thing, we watched a thing.com and all of, all of that jazz. Yeah. I'll have you on again soon. You got to come to uh, Quantumania. Oh, I'll be, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. You know, like I, I get a special yeah. fucking hall pass whenever a Marvel movie comes out that I can actually go and <laughs> yeah. watch it on the night it comes out. So. <laughs> Anyway, that takes us down to the end. If you guys want to find Billy's podcast, there'll be a link down in the show notes. Uh, upcoming episodes for us, who knows? Who knows? I think I mentioned on a previous <laughs> episode that we'll be dropping a fortnightly just as we manage life. Um, 
Anyway, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on email at uh, mritqs at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at Movie Reviews In and Facebook at Movie Reviews In 20 Qs. Uh, just search us out and uh, yeah. Anyway, that's thanks for me. Thanks for me. I want the truth! What about tall blue women? Or are you like... I, I have a problem with tall women, blue or not, okay? Colour of one's skin and the height of one's torso has to do with my dislike of them. Let me make that very clear right here, right now. I hate Elizabeth Debicki. Tall women dislike them.